Hey guys, what's up? It's Josh here from the Molten Meeple, and tonight we are here for episode one of Journeys to Board Gaming. Um, if you tuned in last week, you heard me ramble on for a while about about my story, and you also heard me talk about tonight's guest, who is Dan Patrice. How's it going, Dan? All right, how are you doing? Pretty great, good. Great to be here. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, Heather's putting the thing in the chat about our music it's white bad audio free music that you can put on here just have to uh <laughs> tell uh i can't think of words right now you know what i mean you have to give him yeah. credit that's what i mean. pod safe and yeah that's why i try not to look at the chat room it always throws me off but anyway <laughs> um yeah so you heard me talk about uh dan a little bit last week so i wanted to have him as one of the first guests since he Really helped me a lot um, finding some of these cool games when I first got into the uh, uh, hobby, into actual hobby games. So, um, yeah, so we have Dan on tonight. So this is Dan Patrice. You might know him from the uh, Geek All-Stars. You can see it there on his shirt. It's a podcast about board <laughs> games and all kinds of other geeky stuff. Um, you want to say anything about your podcast there? Yeah, well, we... Uh, so. Man, we've been around for so long. We started it. It's I think we're in our going into our eleventh year now. We started way back in 2011, just kind of uh, three friends, uh, myself, Todd, and 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 Red uh, Paul. Uh, just uh, one guy, you know. Paul was my old best friend, a pharmacist, and and Todd was the guy we worked with. He was a technician, and we just started a a show about it. Was, it's kind of like a show about nothing. We started off kind of a little bit of everything with uh, technology and and movies and board games, and we just went straight board games. We've been doing just board games ever since, and. Uh, those guys kind of moved on because of uh, life and stuff. And now uh, my buddy Chris Dice Hate Me Kirkman is my uh, longtime co-host. And we just talk about board games. Now you just get into the point where you've talked about board games for so long. We just talk about board games, movies, everything geek culture <laughs> we talk about on there. Because we may may do some fun drafts where we draft like the greatest 80s movies or uh, the greatest spaceships. And then we talk about, we'll have a whole show about like last night. We We just recorded the most anticipated games of 2022. So... Just a little bit of everything, uh, and, but it's definitely long form. We, we go anywhere from <laughs> two to four hours, so it's uh, it's definitely one. If you're a commuter, it, you, you'd enjoy it because uh, it definitely makes your trip go a little quicker. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I used to, when I was um, on third shift at my job, I could listen to music a lot more or, you know, I ended up listening to books or podcasts, and that's how I, you know, listened to Scott a whole lot and then mm -hmm. listened to your show a lot. And man, it was it was a lot nicer. Now I have twenty minutes a day on my twenty minutes a day on my commute, and then anything else I have to listen to around here. But still try to still try to listen to, you know, pick up some stuff here and there. Yeah, it's so hard. many people have gone through that same thing where, like, since working from home or or with COVID, like the uh, the listening has gotten way down. It's where a lot of the, the video formats have come so so popular in the last few years, but. Um, now that we're, you know, I guess returning to a little bit of normalcy, even though most people, even myself, I, I still work from home. So I still, uh, am able to listen to some kind of in the background while I'm working, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're kind of getting a little bit more people listening to podcasts again because of commutes. Yeah. And once, once summer hits again, I'll be out mowing the yard and I can listen to stuff out there again. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, uh, my buddy, so, uh, Ben Pinchback. Um, I'll throw a little plug for Motor City Gameworks. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm plug their Kickstarter. It's on. Oh right no, that's for, right. Uh, Definitely check out uh, Motor City from Motor City. Sisters, uh, but it's in the other room. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, 
Oh, it's not even behind me because I took it on a trip. I think it's in my other room too. But yeah, Motor City is their third uh, heavy rolling right. That's Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle and Adam Hill. But uh, Ben always tells me that while he's he's mowing the lawn, he's always listening to our podcast. He always looks forward to uh, when we drop another one because he's got a huge lawn. So two hours plus is good for him for uh, for mowing the lawn. But yeah, they they uh, they do those heavy rolling rights. Uh, Fleet the Dice game was their first one, and that was uh, one of our game of the year a couple years ago. Oh yeah, and That's... and so good. And and then Three Sisters and now Motor City. Uh, is is excellent and it's funded uh and it's i think it's only about 29 dollars or something like that so it's a it's an excellent one to pick up that's how i mean i ended up buying two copies of three sisters just because all right back two copies of it because i knew i was gonna like it because fleet's one of my you know favorite rolling rights and uh i was like i'm just gonna buy two and give one away we're actually doing that right now on um the molten meeple tabletop group uh they had their retail release was today through mm-hmm. 25th century so to celebrate that, I'm giving away that uh, copy. So if anybody is out there listening right now or watching right now, if you go there, find that post, just like it and comment, and you'll be in the running, and we're going to give that away tomorrow probably. Such an excellent game. game. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so good. And it's great solo too, and it's uh, just having that heavier uh, feel to it is just really feel good. I mean, granted, there's all sorts of great rolling rights, uh, but um, if you kind of like those heavy thematic games, sometimes people don't think rolling rights can get like that. But uh, but yeah, that the, those are really scratch that itch. Yeah, yeah, I I love it. We played it a couple times um, with the family in the living room, and it's like, yeah, like you said, I haven't got a chance to play it solo yet, but I loved Fleet solo, so I'll probably get to that one and try it out it's just i have so many games so many games to play <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's hard i mean and and you're seeing that now you know when you when you start getting into that that circuit it's hard to you know keep up with a lot of reviews and try to put enough game plays into them and 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 keep it going and everything just kind of adds up so it's it's definitely it's it's a good problem to have though but it's uh it's definitely a, uh something that's hard to do for sure yep all right so uh let's get into uh the meat of the show here um one of the things we like to do first is talk about uh, your day job, which mm-hmm. I say we like to do first. This is a, really the first episode. <laughs> this is what we're going to like to do first. But uh, so, what do you what do you do for a day job? So I uh, I don't actually uh, board gaming is not my, actually my day job. <laughs> I'm a I'm a pharmacist by trade, uh, and I've been a pharmacist now for man 22 years or so. So I've I've done, which means that if you've been a pharmacist this long, which means you're probably uh, unless you have a really cushy uh, retail job, you're probably not in retail anymore because you've probably gotten smart enough to get out of retail because retail mm-hmm. is terrible for pharmacies. You don't <laughs> want to get screamed at and be right, between customers, which, you know, you, you, you feel bad for the patients because everybody's sick usually that's coming in. And, you know, very rarely are you going to see a pharmacy, just pharmacist just for your normal stuff, uh, which happens obviously a lot. But still between uh, you, you feel bad for this copay, that copay or your district managers, everybody's yelling at you when you're in retail <laughs> pharmacy. But I work I work on the other side now. So I, I work for AmeriHealth. Uh, which we do, I do kind of PBM stuff, which means that when there's a prior authorization, the doctor sends us stuff and then we have to look at it for the plan, which is usually, uh, we do more Medicaid and Medicare type stuff. So we have to just basically look at all the rules for the different drugs and then decide, you know, figure out that the doctor sent us in the right thing, whether they've tried drug X or drug Y before you get to drug Z and so on. So then we have to look at that and, and send in or decide whether it's approved. You know, basically we deal with, Every drug that you see on a commercial, if you still have like cable like me, if you, every drug you see on a commercial, that's those are what uh, usually needs a prior authorization. It's the real expensive drugs or, uh, you know, the next big thing usually needs prior authorization for your insurance. So then those are the ones that we end up dealing with. So 
for about eight hours a day, I have to just sit there looking at a queue of all these <laughs> things that are sent in. But it's not too bad. It, it's it's surprisingly tiring. You know, for anybody that works at home or works in front of a computer, you know what I mean? Like surprisingly tiring using your brain and looking at a, a, a computer screen all day rather than running around, you know, what I would be doing in a pharmacy, you know, running around filling drugs and talking to people. It's just uh, it does take a lot out of you, but it's it's a great rewarding job. I this is the best I you know it seems like every job you know the, the last job I had I knew that I was uh, you know I wasn't going to last there. I ended up lasting there about eight or nine years or whatever. But I, for like the last five, I was looking for a new job. This is <laughs> this seems like a job that I could uh, retire on, and I've really enjoyed the you know this company a lot. So it's it's kind of and, and I guess sitting at home and in uh, you know and running running shorts and a t shirt will do that to you <laughs> while you work. <laughs> yeah, that's when Heather first started working from home for uh, Chip Theory. Uh, I'd come home from work, you know, and I'm I'm climbing up into the ceiling, and you know, at this factory and doing all kinds of stuff. And I come home, and she'd be like, "Man, I am wore out." And I'm like, "What? I'm wore out." But you know, I get it now. She's she's been doing it for a while, and it's like, you know, it is it's taxing mentally, you know, and mm-hmm. you might not be doing as much of the physical running around stuff, but sometimes the mental wear you out even more. Oh yeah. Yeah, because you feel like you're juggling so much more and you just don't want to forget anything, especially, you know, you, you don't necessarily or you may have some distractions at home, but you're trying to, you know, and I have my offices in here in, the, in this bonus room here and I try to keep it quiet. My wife always laughs at me. She's like, why don't you ever, you never have the TV on. It's so quiet in the room. I'm like, yeah, but you don't even notice the time flies because you're just concentrating so much sometimes. And then when it usually when it slows down, whether it be at night or at night or the weekends, I work 1230 to nine. So and then uh, every few weekends. So and on the weekends, it's easier. I'll usually catch up on some Netflix and stuff like that because it's not quite as busy. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> so much better than going into an office, though, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what she says, too. I'm, I, I wasn't pulling a Michael Scott there. That's what she said. But nice. that's, what Heather, that's what Heather said. Too. She's like, you know, she worked at a bank for I think it was like 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I never want to go back into like dealing with people face to face. It's so much easier dealing with them over email or you know whatever. But um, it's also you know she's working with great people there too, so that helps. All right, so now we got your uh, day job. So let's get to your story. Like, um, how did you get into um, hobby gaming? I know, I mean, a, a lot of us, you know, played Monopoly and stuff like that when we were kids, but. Getting into these heavier and, you know, more complex games and stuff, everybody has a, a different way that they made it in. What was what was your intro into into this? Area? So pr- pr- pretty much my intro into kind of heavier gaming, uh, you know, like you said, when I was, a, you know, I'm an old, old fart. So, I mean, growing up in the 80s, uh, I would play a lot of the usual, you know, the payday and bonkers and life. I like a lot of the other ones that not you didn't play ever, you know, all the time and stuff. And, and I was an only child. So like when I got around, like my friends, I just wanted to play some games and have some fun. And, uh, but then my dad started playing Stratomatic baseball. Now, do you know what Stratomatic baseball is? No. So baseball, uh, Stratomatic baseball is, is basically kind of like a simulation where you use cards and dice, kind of like you would like a tabletop game, but it's, it's very, very heavy where basically any stat or any player from last year, they would get a, a card uh, and then you have um, what would be like in the super advanced rules, you're, you, they have like stats and it breaks them down into uh, there's a verse lefties, verse righties. They have fielding ratings. There's stealing ratings, <laughs> uh, bunting. E- everything you can think of is basically part of this game between batting and, and, and pitching and, uh, and, you know, and playing the field and such. 
So my dad would play in this. And basically what you do, you would roll three six-sided dice. There's one what they call an indicator die. So a one, two, or a three, it's on the hitter's card, a four, five, and six, and goes onto the pitcher's card. And then you look at, depending on if it's a lefty or a righty, you look at that. When it, usually when it slows down, whether it be at night or at night or the weekends, that work 1230 to nine. So, and then... Hey guys, what's up? It's Josh here from the Molten Meeple, and tonight we are here for episode one of Journeys to Board Gaming. Um, if you tuned in last week, you heard me ramble on for a while about about my story, and you also heard me talk about tonight's guest, who is Dan Patrice. How's it going, Dan? All right, how are you doing? Pretty great, good. Great to be here. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, Heather's putting the thing in the chat about our music it's white bad audio free music that you can put on here you just have to uh <laughs> tell uh i can't think of words right now you know what i mean you have to give him yeah. credit that's what i mean. pod safe and yeah that's why i try not to look at the chat room it always throws me off but anyway <laughs> um yeah so you heard me talk about uh dan a little bit last week so i wanted to have him as one of the first guests since he really helped me a lot um, finding some of these cool games when I first got into the uh, uh, hobby, into actual hobby games. So, um, yeah, so we have Dan on tonight. So this is Dan Patrice. You might know him from the uh, Geek All-Stars. You can see it there on his shirt. It's a podcast about board <laughs> games and all kinds of other geeky stuff. Um, do you want to say anything about your podcast there, 
Yeah, well, we, uh, so, man, we've been around for so long. We started it, it's, I think we're in our, going into our 11th year now. We started way back in 2011, just kind of uh, three friends, uh, myself, Todd, and and, and Red, uh, Paul, uh, just uh, one guy, you know, Paul was my old best friend, a pharmacist, and, and Todd was the guy we worked with. He was a technician, and we just started a, a show about, it was, it's kind of like a show about nothing. We started off kind of a little bit of everything with uh, technology and, and movies and board games, and we just went straight board games. We've been doing just board games ever since, and uh, those guys kind of moved on because of uh, life and stuff, and now uh, my buddy Chris Dice Hate Me Kirkman is my uh, longtime co-host, and we just talk about board games. Now you just get into the point where you talk about board games for so long, we just talk about Board games, movies, everything geek culture we talk about on there because we may may do some fun drafts where we draft like the greatest 80s movies or uh, the greatest spaceships. And then we talk about we'll have a whole show about like last night we, we just recorded the most anticipated games of 2022. So just a little bit of everything. Uh, and, but it's definitely long form. We, we go anywhere from <laughs> two to four hours. So it's uh, it's definitely one if you're a commuter, it, you, you would enjoy it because uh, it definitely makes your trip go a little quicker. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I used to, when I was um, on third shift at my job, I could listen to music a lot more or, you know, I ended up listening to books or podcasts and that's how I, you know, listened to Scott a whole lot and then Mm -hmm. listened to your show a lot. And man, it was, it was a lot nicer. Now I have 20 minutes a day on my, 20 minutes a day on my commute and then anything else I have to listen to around here, but still try to, still try to listen to, you know, pick up some stuff here and there. Yeah, it's so hard. many people have gone through that same thing where, like, since working from home or or with COVID, like, the uh, the listening has gotten way down. It's where a lot of the, the video formats have come so, so popular in the last few years. But um, now that we're, you know, I guess returning to a little bit of normalcy, even though most people, even myself, I, I still work from home. So I still uh, am able to listen to some kind of in the background while I'm working. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're kind of getting a little bit more people listening to podcasts again because of commutes. Yeah, and once once summer hits again, I'll be out mowing the yard, and I can listen to stuff out there again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what uh, my buddy. So uh, Ben Pinchback, um, I'll throw a little plug for Motor City Gameworks. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm plug their Kickstarter. It's on. Oh right no, now. that's for uh, definitely check out uh, Motor City from Motor City. Sisters, uh, but it's Gameworks. in the other room. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, it's not even behind me because I took it on a trip. I think it's in my other room too. But yeah, Motor City is their third uh, heavy rolling right. That's Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. And Adam Hill, but uh, Ben always tells me that while he's he's mowing the lawn, he's always listening to our podcast. He always looks forward to uh, when we drop another one because he's got a huge <laughs> lawn, so two hours plus is good for him for uh, for mowing the lawn. But yeah, they they uh, they do those heavy rolling rights. Uh, Fleet the Dice game was their first one, and that was uh, one of our game of the year a couple years ago. Oh yeah, and That's... and so good. And and then Three Sisters, and now Motor City uh, is is excellent, and it's funded. Uh, and it's I think it's only about twenty nine dollars or something like that. So it's a it's an excellent one to pick up. That's how, I mean, I ended up buying two copies of Three Sisters just because, or I backed two copies of it because I knew I was going to like it because Fleet's one of my, you know, favorite rolling rights. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to buy two and give one away. We're actually doing that right now on um, the Molten Meeple Tabletop Group. Uh, They had their retail release was today through Mm -hmm. 25th Century. So to celebrate that, I'm giving away that... uh, copy so if anybody is out there listening right now or watching right now if you go there find that post just like it and comment and you'll be in the running and I'm gonna give that away tomorrow probably such an excellent game. game yeah oh it's yeah. so good and it's great solo too and it's 
uh, just having that heavier uh, feel to it is just really feel good. I mean, granted, there's all sorts of great rolling rights, uh, but um, if you kind of like those heavy thematic games, sometimes people don't think rolling rights can get like that. But uh, but yeah, that those are really scratch that itch. Yeah, yeah, I I love it. We played it a couple times um, with the family in the living room, and it's like, yeah, like you said, I haven't got a chance to play it solo yet, but I loved Fleet solo, so I'll probably get to that one and try it out it's just i have so many games so many games to play <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's hard i mean and and you're seeing that now you know when you when you start getting into that that circuit it's hard to you know keep up with a lot of reviews and try to put enough game plays into them and 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 keep it going and everything just kind of adds up so it's it's definitely it's it's a good problem to have though but it's uh it's definitely a, uh something that's hard to do for sure yep all right so uh let's get into uh the meat of the show here um one of the things we like to do first is talk about uh, your day job, which mm-hmm. I say we like to do first. This is a, really the first episode. <laughs> this is what we're going to like to do first. But uh, so, what do you what do you do for a day job? So I uh, I don't actually uh, board gaming is not my, actually my day job. <laughs> I'm a I'm a pharmacist by trade, uh, and I've been a pharmacist now for man 22 years or so. So I've I've done, which means that if you've been a pharmacist this long, which means you're probably uh, unless you have a really cushy uh, retail job, you're probably not in retail anymore because you've probably gotten smart enough to get out of retail because retail mm-hmm. is terrible for pharmacies. <laughs> you don't want to get screamed at and be by, between customers, which, you know, you, you, you feel bad for the patients because everybody's sick usually that's coming in. And, you know, very rarely are you going to see a pharmacy, just pharmacist just for your normal stuff, uh, which happens obviously a lot. But still between uh, you, you feel bad for this copay, that copay or your district managers, everybody's yelling at you when you're in retail <laughs> pharmacy. But I work I work on the other side now. So I, I work for AmeriHealth. Uh, which we do, I do kind of PBM stuff, which means that when there's a prior authorization, the doctor sends us stuff and then we have to look at it for the plan, which is usually, uh, we do more Medicaid and Medicare type stuff. So we have to just basically look at all the rules for the different drugs and then decide, you know, figure out that the doctor sent us in the right thing, whether they've tried drug X or drug Y before you get to drug Z and so on. So then we have to look at that and, and send it in or decide whether it's approved. You know, basically we deal with every drug that you see on a commercial, if you still have like cable <laughs> like me, if you, every drug you see in a commercial, that's, those are what uh, usually needs a prior authorization is the real expensive drugs or, uh, you know, the next big thing usually needs prior authorization for your insurance. So then those are the ones that we end up dealing with. So for about eight hours a day, I have to just sit there looking at a queue of all these things <laughs> that are sent in, but it's not too bad. It, it's, it's surprisingly tiring, you know, for anybody that works at home or works in front of a computer, you know what I mean? Like surprisingly tiring using your brain and looking at a, a, a computer screen all day rather than running around, you know, what I would be doing in a pharmacy, you know, running around filling drugs and talking to people. It's just, uh, it does take a lot out of you, but it's, it's a great rewarding job. I, this is the best I've, you know, it seems like every job, you know, the, the last job I had, I knew that I was, uh, you know, you know, I wasn't going to last there. I ended up lasting there about eight or nine years or whatever, but I, for like the last five, I was looking for a new job. This is, <laughs> this seems like a job that I could, uh, retire on. And I've really enjoyed the, you know, this company a lot. So it's, it's kind of, and, and I guess sitting at home and in, uh, you know, in running, running shorts and a t-shirt, will do that to you <laughs> while you work. <laughs> yeah. That's when Heather first started working from home for uh chip theory, uh, I'd come home from work, you know, and I'm, I'm climbing up into the ceiling and, you know, at this factory and doing all kinds of stuff. And I come home and she'd be like, man, I am more out. And I'm like, what? I'm more out. But you know, I get it now. She's, she's been doing it for a while. And it's like, you know, it is, it's taxing mentally, you know, and mm-hmm. you might not be doing as much of the physical running around stuff, but sometimes the mental will wear you out even more. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, because you feel like you're juggling so much more and you just don't want to forget anything, especially, you know, you, you don't necessarily, or you may have some distractions at home, but you're trying to, you know, and I have my offices in here in, the, in this bonus room here and I try to keep it quiet. My wife always laughs at me. She's like, why don't you ever, you never have the TV on. It's so quiet in the room. I'm like, yeah, but you don't even notice the time flies because you're just concentrating so much sometimes. And then when it usually when it slows down, whether it be at night or at night or the weekends, I work 1230 to nine. So, and then uh, every few weekends. So on the weekends, it's easier. I'll usually catch up on some Netflix and stuff like that. Cause it's not quite as busy, yeah. but yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> so much better than going into an office though. I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what she says too. I'm, I, I wasn't pulling a Michael Scott there. That's what she said, but nice. that's, what Heather, that's what Heather's too. she's like, you know, she worked at a bank for, I think it was like 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I never want to go back into like dealing with people face to face. It's so much easier dealing with them over email or, you know, whatever. But um, it's also, you know, she's working with great people there, too. So that helps. All right. So now we got your uh, day job. So let's get to your story. Like, um, how did you get into um, hobby gaming? I know. I mean, a, a lot of us, you know, played Monopoly and stuff like that when we were kids. But getting into these heavier and you know more complex games and stuff everybody has a a different way that they made it in what was what was your intro into into this so pretty much my intro into kind of heavier gaming uh you know like like you said when i was you know i'm an old old fart so i mean growing up in the 80s uh i would play a lot of the usual you know the payday and bonkers and life i like a lot of the other ones that not you didn't play ever, you know, all the time and stuff. And and I was an only child, so like when I got around, like my friends, I just wanted to play some games and have some fun. And uh, but then my dad started playing Stratomatic baseball. Now, do you know what Stratomatic baseball is? No. So baseball, uh, Stratomatic baseball is is basically kind of like a simulation where you use cards and dice, kind of like you would like a tabletop game, but it's it's very very heavy. Where basically any stat or any player from last year, they would get a a card. Uh, and then you have um, what would be like in the super advanced rules, you're, you, they have like stats and it breaks them down into uh, there's a verse lefties, verse righties. They have fielding ratings. There's stealing ratings, <laughs> uh, bunting. E- everything you can think of is basically part of this game between batting and, and, and pitching and, uh, you know, and playing the field and such. So my dad would play in this. And basically what you do, you would roll three six-sided dice. There's one what they call an indicator die. So a one, two, or three, it's on a hitter's card, a four, five, and six, and goes on to the pitcher's card. Then you look at, depending on if it's a lefty or a righty, you look at that person's card. And then the 2 to 12 determines which number in the car in the column. So that's basically a, a pretty nice overview of just basic strategy. But it's it's nice and strategic because so much things happen. And my dad played this a lot in, in a league that started way early in the 80s and is still going. And I ended up playing this league for pretty much... 25 years or so I played this because I started when I was a kid I ended up getting my own my own team when I was in high school and I played with my dad uh when I was younger and then when I was in high school I got my own team and then I played in college and then um uh, some for some reason like you know you think back and things you're like how in the world did I do this when I was in uh grad school and then when I graduated before we had kids and we were getting married I used to fly up to New York like every couple of months just to play stratomatic baseball in this league <laughs> face-to-face because it was just so much better face-to-face you know there's an online thing that's now but it was just so much better so uh between that and stratomatic hockey with a buddy of mine that uh lived in brooklyn my dad lived in brooklyn and i lived in long island uh with my mom uh, but i would go see him pretty much every weekend or every other weekend so between strat hockey and football that was my real like start into more kind of heavier games and then a buddy of mine introduced me uh to 
Dungeons and Dragons in the eighties. Uh, and my mind was blown. Let me tell you, uh, <laughs> of course, back then, you know, it wasn't as cool as it is now. Yeah. Like it, and, it, and it's probably hard for people to think about that. Like, well, what do you mean D&D wasn't cool? No, you had to almost hide the fact that you played D&D when you were growing up in the 80s. Uh, and, and I also actually played some Talisman back then, too. And, uh, you know, and, and Talisman's a fine game, but, I mean, games have come so for, so far. I mean, I still love D&D, but I haven't played in forever. I, have, I actually have first edition books in my garage from D&D. That's a, Heather has one of the old, I don't know if it's first edition. I think it's a first edition, and it still had some of the, like, wood dice. And... Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. And we, we, I always wanted to play and see, I was around the area where I, you know, I'm from a smaller town and we never had, I never had those people. Like I couldn't find enough people to play and we actually didn't, I didn't start playing until a few years ago. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. I love it. We actually have D and D night tomorrow here at the house. So, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, from there, uh, I really didn't do a whole lot. It's funny. Cause most of my nineties. Uh, I, I graduated uh, high school and went into um, I went went down to Campbell for college uh, and and played a little baseball. Tried to get into pharmacy school, so I ended up getting into pharmacy school. Uh, and then it was just it was just hard to get a lot of that stuff done. So then, um, but when I went home for like the summers and stuff like that, my uncle, uh, my mom's uh, my 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 mom's sister's wife uh, husband, I'm sorry, uh, we would always play like Magic the Gathering. Like we played a little bit of Magic the Gathering, but we weren't like seriously into Magic. Like I would like just go and get a, uh, grab a few packs or whatever. And we would just play, yeah. you know, it was during the holidays and stuff. And then um, around probably around 2000 or so, the first edition of um, Lord of the Rings, the, the Knizia co-op game. I'm not sure if you uh, are familiar with that one. I ended I up picking that it, up. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, it's, it's so good. And it's kind of like one of the original kind of heavier co-ops. I was one, it was probably one of the first games like in that next generation of games that I picked up. And then I played some games here and there, um, you know, and then also I played, uh, I actually had a copy of Queen's Gambit, which is kind of like a grail game for everybody <laughs> from uh, episode one of the Phantom Menace, Queen's Gambit. Yeah. Um, oh my God. And it, this is one of these stories that uh, just like my first edition magic cards, which I don't know where they are. They're just gone. Uh, <laughs> Queen's Gambit is, Gambit is another thing where I, I lived with a buddy of mine, my, I, incidentally, my buddy Paul that I started the, the Geek All-Stars with. I lived with him uh, for a couple of years after pharmacy school while we were working. And then while, you know, right after I got married, uh, I moved out because uh, our house was ready. And then a few months later, I was like, oh, hey, hey, uh, where's where those games that uh, that I had? Uh, you know, and I knew exactly where they were in the house. And he uh, was moving away for a little, for a short time. And they just were gone. I was like, oh, my God, Queen's Gambit, <laughs> it's gone. So now it's just one of those one of those sorry stories that you're just like, ah, I can't believe that I had a copy of Queen's Gambit. It was such a good game. Even back then, you knew what it was. A, it was a great game uh, back then. And then next thing you know, uh, like I said, between starting to show and such, I started going into, I used to work nights and my buddy Todd, uh, we would just talk about movies. We worked overnight, seven on, seven off. We would talk about games and, and movies and everything else. It was, we, was, we laughed at it. it was kind of, we were going to start a, a show that was like Seinfeld, just a show about nothing. And that's pretty much what the Geek All Stars is. If you think about it, we talk about just about nothing for three hours. So uh, I started going to a game night at a FLGS. And uh, I remember it like when I started going there regularly, the first game that I ever remember uh, just jumping into because uh, there's a couple of guys there uh, and they invited me to play and it was Dominant Species. Now, um, I'm not sure if, if you know how heavy Dominant Species is. It's, <laughs> it's one of the heavier 
kind of Euro games. Uh, it's a great, great game, but it's a bit heavy. And they just put out Dominant Species Marine, which is a little more streamlined. They put that out last year. But Dominant Species was still one of my favorite games. But to just jump into there when getting kind of into <laughs> the hobby, you know, back in like 2010 or 2009 when it, uh, when it first, first came out. Um, man, it was it was pretty funny. I I was laughing thinking about getting into that game, and next thing you know, I was going to a game night regularly and and just getting into things like Dominion, Ascension, Ticket to Ride, Stone Age, uh, and then just before you know it, you you own two hundred games. You just blink, <laughs> and you got way too many games, and then then uh, like everybody else, you're starting a podcast. So then we started <laughs> then we started the podcast, and then and kind of the rest is history from there. But uh, but it, but it's kind of crazy, you know, getting how how you kind of do that that gradual build and, and kind of the weight and just owning things. Cause uh, you know, you talk about um, kind of the, the, the life cycle of owning games. You start off with, when you start getting the games, you just start buying stuff. You just, yeah. you just want to see it. You want everything. And then next thing you know, you've got everything. Then you start slowing down a bit and then you start selling some games <laughs> off a little bit later. And then you're just kind of very, very much uh, a little bit more, you know, a little more choosy with what you buy, but you're still kind of keeping yourself right in that that middle area of of, of kind of keeping games there. But uh, and now, and especially when you're doing, you know, when doing things like you and you're doing reviews or doing shows and stuff, uh, I try to try to give away as many games as I can. You know, as, almost as many come in for review, I try to give away as many. We try to do monthly giveaways and such, so you can look in a prize closet and give away as much as you can, so that. Uh, so that my poor wife uh, has a little bit more of the house left over uh, from all this stuff. I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure with between uh, Chip Theory and you guys, you probably you can barely walk in the house. That's yeah. That's the bad thing about <laughs> about our relationship is I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, but I bought like three games, and she's like, I bought four, and it's like, oh god, you know what are we gonna do now? But she is the one that's like, hey, we need to pare down some of these games. So I come in here and look through everything, and I'm like. I can't really find anything I want to get rid of. It's like, you got 300 games. There's got to be something. I'm like, I'll find something and I'll find like four or five. And then I'm like, I don't know. And don't it's hard because you, you know, you, you feel like you're going to play every, like you look around the yeah. room and you're like, I'm going to play this. And then when you really start thinking about it, like, especially I play so much now on BGA, boardgamearena.com. I play so many games on air or Yukata. Uh, and even some of the heavier Euros you play on air, you're like, I'm probably not, getting my copy to the table ever again like if you really think about it like there are certain games i'm just like yeah i'm probably never playing it so then there was a consignment thing down at flgs where uh you could get like you know uh credit i was like i really don't even care if you give me start just you know give it to pay it forward give it to somebody you need like a, a gamer that's short money just give them i'm like just here's 20 games and it was like games that I, you know, were decent games, you know, like the the original Lagranha, and there, and it was plenty of games that were good. I was just like, I'm just not going to play those again without either being online or being with a, another buddy that probably has that game. So it's <laughs> they're they're always hard. It's always hard to part with games, but see, that's my problem just around do here it. too. Is I'm the buddy that has that game. So like mm -hmm. all my other buddies, they they have like maybe ten or twenty games, and they're like, well, if we want to play that other one, we'll just go to Josh's house. <laughs> And, and you know what's funny about, um, you know, when I was trying to put together some notes to, about thinking about getting into games, so many people will will usually point to like one or two games that you'll see. Uh, it's either Catan or uh, or Ticket to Ride, whereas I definitely can quote Ticket to Ride as being one of my first uh, that I loved. Uh, I really never was 
that into Catan. And, and, you know, and that started, that craze was like in the nineties where people just would play Catan like every single week. But it just, I just never was a big, not that I don't enjoy the game. It's just never, it was one of those games just, just kind of never yeah, I, gleamed on to me. I mean, I, I, I think it's an all right game, but for me, it's, there's just too much luck. Like, Mm-hmm. I'll get in there and get the best numbers and like have the best spots with the be- and then it would just never roll the whole game and I'm like, you know that's it's just that's just too much luck for me when when you can get screwed that bad. Yeah. I mean most of the time most of the time it it evens out a little bit but I've had games where it's just like I have got nothing the whole time and I just I don't know I'd rather well, play I mean, something you think else. about. You think about game design too, with so what that was what I think about '94 or something like that. I think is when Catan was out. So you've got it's just starting to bring that next generation of good design practices in there. Whereas a lot of the games that we played growing up were just all luck fest. Well, no, even even kind of talisman for everything that it is as good as it is. It's basically you're you're really you know you just have to worry about what the die rolls. And such like that but you know and you can add things to your character and everything but a lot of those games growing up you know uh again like i mentioned bonkers life i mean some of those games they're just not great games because you think about life there's almost no decisions in the game there's a couple of times where you may branch or you may buy a thing or not but a lot of games don't have a lot of decisions where Catan started bringing in that social element a little bit of decision making where it still was it's very luck dependent but it still has that that uh, between the cards and kind of the spacing, you still can have that fun where, like when you play a lot of the modern games, like especially games just got so refined in, in the early 2000s and, and 2010s in the last 10 years or so, uh, you can kind of look at that. Even like Dominion, I looked back, you look back at Dominion now and you're like, we've come so far in deck building. Like it was a great game, but uh, keeping up with things was a little harder because it's like you get one action, one buy, whereas now most deck building games are like, just use what you got. Yeah, and they're like we. There's no reason to put a, a a limit on things. So like, the games just just keep evolving, and that's why you end up looking. Um, and there's still people like I have people in the neighborhood. They play Catan still, still fairly regularly. I'm like, do you wanna, you wanna borrow a couple games here? And I'm like, not that <laughs> Catan's not great or anything, but I mean, I'm sure if you're playing it, like if that's the game you're playing monthly, I'm like, you may want to, you know, I could, can, yeah. you know, don't even have to force anything on you. Here's here's a few games if you want to try something out. You know, that's. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting how the different and you know, and that's kind of like um, you know, where where uh, where we met, you know, from basically from the the TMS type uh, crowd and, and the tadpole and such. Um, you know, there's there's kind of your mainstream board gaming uh, kind of community, which you know, for lack of a better term, we'll center it, you know, around uh, what exploded from the dice tower. You know, and, and that whole community and, and that whole, basically, that, that whole sect of gaming. And then there's a lot more that's starting to pop up, which is great because so many more people are getting into gaming from whether it be pop culture, TV, movies, and just playing more things in D&D and such. And that's why I love, I just absolutely love the Tadpool and, and, and everything that I've gotten and people that I've met through through Scott. It's just because it's just not the people that you're going to see every day in gaming where... Uh, that's why I love introducing new, you know, newer games that people may not have heard of, uh, you know, into those to that market, into that to that fan base. It's just just so much so much fun. That's why I absolutely love talking to everybody uh, from the Frog Pants Network. Yeah, Medium was another game that you talked about a bunch oh. on there, and I think you talked about it like a year before it came out. And I was like waiting for this game, waiting for this game, and then I finally, I think it was at Gen Con in what twenty nineteen. I think so. Around yep. where it came out, 
I found their booth and I ran over and I'm like, oh, I got medium. And I'm like, and this guy stopped me and he's like, oh, where did you hear about this game? And I was like, uh, Dan Patrice talked about it on a podcast. And he's like, he was a designer and he's like, Dan's the one that actually like helped me find this, you know, this distributor to, to act or publisher to actually get it published and everything. And I bought it and we played it a bunch of times there at, at Gen Con that year, had so much fun with guys. Oh, they're, they're just such great people. Um, you know, the, the people from, um, oh my God, uh, Storm Chaser Games, I believe is, uh, is, uh, who designed them, uh, designed Medium. So it was funny because I think it was actually the same origins that I met you for the first time, uh, in the OnPub room. So that year, I believe was the same year that we played Medium and, Right after I played it, because and actually Ben Ben is the one that he kind of reviewed it for um, the Cardboard Edison Awards, and he he we were at, in in that room, and we were uh, he's like, oh, you checked out? I've reviewed this; it's really good. Uh, he said, you know, he said I saw it during the awards uh, voting, so we played it, and I, right away I said, this is one of the best party games I've ever played, <laughs> and I flagged Chris down from across the room because Chris was uh, at the time still one of the co-owners of Greater Than Games. I flagged him down. And I'm like, you have got to come over here. You guys have got to sign this game. It's one of the best party games you'll ever play. And then we played it, and we just kept playing it and kept playing it like that that whole weekend. And next thing you know, they they signed them and they got it released. And it's still to this day one of my favorite party oh, games. Yeah. I I absolutely love Medium, and and I I actually keep. It's one of those games where I kind of keep a I try to keep a copy in my house, uh, so that whenever if I play it with friends that come over and if they're interested, I just give it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we played it with our parents at uh, I think it was like Father's Day or something. We had a cookout, and I'm like, let's bring it out. You know, we took it outside, sitting around the table out there and play it. It's it's I don't know. It's so fun when you get that connection when you when you yep. make that you know and you get it on like and the it, first try and you're like, yeah. That's it's the high five moment. <laughs> yeah, it's the and you know what's funny about uh, party games like that. So those are perfect like beach games. You know when you go, you know maybe you'll go with a couple families to a you know, a beach week or something, a vacation week. Um, uh, my wife, actually, a couple weeks ago, she brought a couple of her and a couple of friends went down to the beach for a little girls weekend um, with people from work. And she said she she broke it out and she there was four of them. And, you know, it's a game where you kind of want to have five or six, even if four works, like five or six, just because you kind of can sit around and, and listen to how everybody kind of you know the different people rather than just kind of going with the same couple of people you hear the you know a lot of words going around and and how it works um but she said there was you know two people that she was playing with it was her and another girl well obviously she had played before but like two people were getting it right away and then one person was like i just don't get it why why are we saying these words what are, where are so it's just funny how like some people just they just they just don't get it or just not really into games or maybe they just you know, just not wrapping their head around it, which is, you know, that's something for any game, you know, gaming is for, for everybody, but not all games are for all people, yeah. of course. So, so it's interesting how that is. But we do that. We do that same thing with just one. Uh, we mm -hmm. went down to uh, Airbnb um, down by where my daughter lives and we took a copy with us and they actually had some, they had some board games in the Airbnb, but it was like life. And, you know, I think they had, I can't remember what it was, but they had something that was, you know, a little more towards the hobby. It might've been ticket to ride, but, um, we took our copy of just one, just to play with, you know, the family while we were down there. And I'm like, let's just leave this. I was like, let's leave it in here with their board games. I'm like, somebody will find it. And, and, you know, then they'll pass it on, you know, everything else. No, that's, that's perfect. That's a, that I was just going to say the same thing with, um, so the first person I heard of doing stuff like this was, was Ben Pinchback from, uh, 
you know, a Motor City Games, one of the Fleeples, he says that he brings, every time they go to the beach or go on vacation, he'll bring a couple of games of theirs, and they'll just leave them there just to share games. And I'm like, that's the greatest. So I started doing that whenever we go to, like, to a beach. Uh, I'll bring a couple of games that may, I might, you know, I might still maybe like, or, you know, I don't want to say it's games I want to get rid of, but maybe games that, uh, you know, I could always replace, you know, yeah. usually those party type games uh, and you just leave them there for other people to enjoy later. And then you could always, you know, easy games to pick up and that for us to pick up, but we, you know, other people may not think about it, especially if they're, they're at the beach. So it's pretty cool to, to pass on things that it's, it's a pretty cool pay it forward type thing too. Yeah. I think we picked up another copy for like 15 bucks. So it's like, oh, there we go. So but yeah, so uh, yeah, thanks. That was a that was a pretty good story there. Thanks for coming on, and uh, like I said, thank you again for. I mean, if it wasn't for you, I I may have made it, you know, into the hobby mm-hmm. eventually. But um, like I, I don't know if you got to listen to last week, but when you talked about Gloomhaven on uh, the morning stream, that was the first one where, like you said, you got to play D and D when you were younger. I never got to play D and D when I was younger, and we always wanted to but we never had like an actual DM, you know, that knew what they were doing. So when mm-hmm. you came on the morning stream and was talking about Gloomhaven and how it's kind of like D&D in a box, you know, where you don't need the the DM and you can just kind of dungeon crawl along through this. And I was like, man, that I have to get that. So that's, you know, I went searching. I got on the Kickstarter for it for the second printing. And and then, of course, Too Many Bones. I went crazy on that. Oh, everything that's, that's such a great game, too. <laughs> It's funny how, like, uh, with Gloomhaven, the way I can describe it, so it's funny. So every year with the Geek All-Stars, we do the top 11 to try and buy from Gen Con. And it was such an undertaking for Gloomhaven that I think Gloomhaven was on my to-try list for two or three years before it even got kind of released. So it's funny to look back at those those lists that you do from years later and to see it. And, and I was just, I was like, I can't wait for this game. Can't, every year I was like, I can't wait for this game. And then it turned out to be, you know, cause a lot of times you'll look forward to these games and they just don't turn out to be great or uh, they're not what you hope. But Gloomhaven was every bit uh, the way, the best way I always like to describe it. It's, it's the game I've been waiting my whole life for because it's, <laughs> it's D and D without a DM. It's so well-made, so much fun. Your imagination goes and it's so sprawling and you could be playing it. I, I'm still playing it. Like, I think we got, 50 something scenarios in with my buddy with my other buddy chris we've gone through so many i mean we're almost to the end we've gotten through so many characters unlocked so many characters and and i of course i bat Frosthaven. that i uh that'll be like the next thing we get into (laughs) is Frosthaven. i'm just so excited for those games are great and of course like for uh gloomhaven um i mean i'm looking at uh sword and sorcery like there are so many games that kind of came right after gloomhaven that are just kind of the you know, almost like another evolution or another, like they just wanted to, I don't want to say cash in, but just, just further evolve kind of slight changes in that non DM needed dungeon crawl co-op, uh, which was okay before gloom. It was all right, but they've just kind of put so much more quality into these games now. And, yeah, the bad thing uh, and, is now is I have a bunch of those. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like now which one do we play? We have Tainted Grail. We have uh, Dice Throne Adventures. You know, I got I got a lot of these where it's like, man, now now what do I do? I ha- I don't know yep. which one to start. So my my uh, unfortunately my as as been almost like a curse where my Kickstarter backlog that I'm waiting to get in is like <laughs> full of those games and and when I do so I do uh, Munchkin Land on the Major Spoilers Network. I do a twice a month. I do the Munchkin Minute where I put a new show where I'll do board game news and then I'll do uh, Kickstarters. 
And it's like, it seems like every show I'm putting, I've talked about yet another one of these type of dungeon crawlers that are just so much fun to play. But I mean, who's got time for all these? You just, in a perfect world, we've all got all the time and all the money in the world. Uh, but uh, there's just so much great ideas and so much good production. Um, it's, I just, I wish I had the time for all of these games. And, and yet I... Uh, somehow are finding the money for most of these games, but just not the time for most of these games. See, that's what I, I, I'm just building for my retirement. I can't wait. When I retire, then I'll I'll have all the time to play all the stuff. We're we're gonna have to find a uh, 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 an assisted living facility or a, a assisted living area. You know, a retirement community for all of us board yeah, gamers with that never had enough time. Big, yeah, that's the next big money maker. Is, <laughs> A retirement home for board gamers where we just mm-hmm. have all these heavy games and everybody can sit around and play. <laughs> It'll be like board gardens, your your community of your community of gamers, and then they'll have uh, subdivisions of uh, <laughs> RPGers and, and dungeon crawlers and, and Euro players yeah, and more gamers. In so the placement wing. <laughs> <laughs> where do you live? I live on Canizia Lane over there. <laughs> All right, so I have this bag here, and it has a bunch of random things in it. Oh, no. And I want to get your knee-jerk top five of whatever it is I pull out of here. So no thinking, which All I right, usually, see what I I can usually do. don't have trouble with that. But Oh, no thinking. That's always <laughs> the hard part. I don't want to overthink it. Oh, this one seems long. <laughs> um, your top five overly complicated but still fun games. Oh, that's in my wheelhouse right there. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could. Ah. Well, I'm, I'll leave. I'll leave. Um, I'm gonna leave Gloomhaven out of it, right? Yeah. And and I may have to look at my shelves a little bit to get a couple <laughs> of the extra ones. But I'm gonna start off with Terraforming Mars. So this will be five. I'll just say five games, not not in any order. How's that? Is that <laughs> yeah, okay? yeah. They don't have to be. All right. So we'll go. We'll go with uh, Terraforming Mars, and especially you have to have a lot of expansions in there. Uh, except for the Venus Next, I didn't like that expansion. Uh, but all the rest of them you can play with with all the expansions because uh, uh, so good. Um, then we're going to go into oh another very complex game, uh, but the 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 juice is definitely worth the, sque- the squeeze. Is Keyflower? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's um, I can't remember. His, oh, see if I can remember. I think it's Richard Brees. I think it is. He did all the key games, but Keyflower is another really cool auction. It's kind of like a tableau builder, but a really fun auction game. Uh, where you're kind of betting meeples around these different hex tiles, and if you get out, out uh, kind of bid by like two two meeples of a certain color instead of yours, you can move them around. So it's it's a very cool auction game. Uh, um, oh, oh my God! Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was my game of the year. Gods, what? It's gods and what? What is it called? It's gods and monsters. Oh my God! Sorry, I'm gonna have to go to BGG <laughs> for this one. Um, from um, Ryan Lockett and Red Raven Games. I don't know why I'm blanking on Oh, it. Sleeping Gods? Sleeping Gods, yes. Yes. This might be my number one of this list because it's one of my favorite games of all time right now. It's very much a um, storytelling kind of... Uh, it's a co-op game where you can play. Basically, it's it's Big just kind of made for solo. Oh, it's amazing. Yes, exactly. And no two games are going to be the same. You're kind of just playing in the storybook. You're you're sailing your ship with your crew of, I believe, eight. They all have different types of skills. 
And as you're going out, you're acquiring other kind of keywords and skills and, and quests and such. And uh, there's some combat, there's some skill checks. The combat is really unique the way it kind of has this weird grid where you're kind of defeating different parts of a monster. And as you do, you may either get rewards from that for this fight or you're diminishing how good the monster is before you kill it. Uh, but, oh, just... Uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a funny story about that. I missed the, the Kickstarter, and I was at Gen Con, I think it was last year, and um, they actually had the Kickstarter version there for 100 bucks, And I was right. like, and I had money, and I was like, man, I kind of want to get that. But I was on the edge. I was like, everybody's saying good things. It looks good. I kind of want to get it. And I kept going back and forth. And then finally, um, my buddy, Michael Petrie from Pentree Games that did like mm-hmm. On the Rocks, he messaged me and he's like, "Hey, you're at Gen Con, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Could you pick up Sleeping Gods? I heard they got the Kickstarter version." And I'm like, "You know, I've been back and forth. I was like, I'm gonna go get two of them." So I ran over, left our, you know, left the Chip Theory booth, ran over there, got in line, and the lady in front of me bought the last copy. And oh I was like, oh. no! I was like, I sat here all weekend, <laughs> and then we went to our FLGS this weekend, and they they back the one. Um, that we go to backs a lot of Kickstarters and stuff. So, I mean, they're, they're pretty uh, ahead of most of the places and getting good Kickstarters and stuff like that. And not, not overcharging, you know? Um, but we went there and we saw the expansions and I was like, Oh, do you guys have the base game? And they're like, we sold the last one this morning. And I'm like that it's happened to me every time. Like, but I will, I will get that. I seen the new, the new ones coming up. So, yeah, and they just they, they announced that new one, the Sleeping Gods: Distant Skies, which I believe is a standalone sequel. Yeah. To it, um, boy, that game was so good. So <laughs> I'm sure that one will be really good. Um, another one, uh, I, I think that I give you, I give you That's three. three. Yep. All right. So possibly one of my favorite games of all time, and it's a little, it's hard to say it's whether it's complex or not because, like you said, it's overly like for it depends on if you're talking about the the gaming crowd or the <laughs> uh, or or mainstream. But I want to go with uh, Pillars of the Earth is is again one of my top 10 games and it's it's fairly complex but it has a really cool action kind of bidding system uh where there's a bag full of your pawns and uh as you're somebody whoever's like first player will will shake up the bag and he'll pull out a pawn and you have to decide right then if they pull out your color because the it gets cheaper it's it starts off expensive if you want to go action if you want to do an action but sometimes you may want to pay for it because you really want to go to your action spot because it's worker placement you really want to go to a spot you want or you can kind of pass uh and you go on and basically after everybody goes and you get yours for free but you only have the two i believe two of the pawns in there so it's really kind of and then i think the um the person who's drawing from the bag gets one mulligan where they can at any point while they're drawing they can throw their pawn back in of any one color but only once per round as they're drawing but just just the whole that whole system and it has a really cool card system where uh you're turning it's basically a tableau builder where you're turning you know x into y you're turning resources into points or other resources but you only have a certain amount of these workers that you can get and if you replace some of your basic workers you may not be able to do some of the the basic actions uh you may not be able to you may be, not be allowed to do some basic actions of using something for points or using something else in the game. So it's really a kind of a push and pull, but it's an amazing, amazing game. Um, all right. Uh, that's one more, right? <laughs> one um, more. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to find like a, a good, I guess um, I'm going to go with what, like I said, the one of the first games that I played at an FLGS, but it still stands up. Uh, we'll just go with either Dominant Species or Dominant Species Marine. 
Uh, that game will blow your mind, but uh, it's a little easier to play now and it's kind of more mainstream. But Dominant Species is so good where you're just trying, you've got uh, all these hexes and it's kind of, uh, you, you take a lot of the genuses, or, or I guess it's just the species, because you've got uh, in the main game you've got reptiles, you've got amphibians, you've got arachnids, uh, and you've got insects. You've got all like I think there's five of them in there, and they have their own place on the food chain. Now you're trying to survive and trying to uh, dominate dominate each one of these different land spaces in the game, and you're doing that by picking uh, what's a really cool action selection system. Uh, which they've changed it up a little bit in Dominant Species Marine. Again, they made it a little easier where in the old game, you, everybody would put out their discs or these these big uh, cylinders. You put them out there on the board, and then it would just kind of revolve, resolve from top to bottom. In the new game, Dominant Species Marine, which is kind of an underwater theme, but basically everything else is kind of the same uh, with basically, you know, the... the, the uh, you know the hierarchy of uh, yeah. what am I? Yeah, the hierarchy of uh, food chain kind of food chain. That's what. It, thank you, the food <laughs> chain. Um, so, but now as you put your discs out, uh, you get that action immediately. It just it speeds up the game, makes it a little more main, uh, a little more streamlined, and it has kind of like this thing. Like one of the games I was going to mention was Agizia, which has a really cool. You have to do your actions as you go down the Nile River. So you can't go backwards. Same thing goes for kind of Dominus Pieces Marine, where depending on where you place your cylinders, you have to go. You have to go uh, further down uh, the action train before, or you, or it's kind of a worker, what they call worker takement, where as you're putting your workers out, you can kind of do the next one down, and you can kind of acquire other workers. But then you just have to take an action, take them all back. Then it lets you do it pretty much everywhere. So that that sort of thing I really like because uh, Francis Drake did this this also the same thing where you're going kind of down the road and you have to go down further on the road uh, and you can't go backwards which is really cool because you have to make some hard decisions in games like that you know you have, yeah you can't you may really want something but uh, it, you'll skip some other things but you you may really need to get it before somebody else does <laughs> so all right that was um, that was a pretty good top five there yeah so, so I, uh, I you know me I could talk for him. <laughs> Oh, that's that's what I'm hoping for. So you know, I just want to be here for a little bit of back and forth. And but uh, thanks for coming on again. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you again. So uh, you can find me at Geek Jock Dan on Twitter or uh, on the Geek All Stars podcast. And of course, uh, I'll throw in a plug for some of the other quick shows I do. I do the on Munchkin Land podcast. Uh, I do the Munchkin Minute a twice a, twice a month, about ten to fifteen minute news show. It's a real quick listen, which is good. I also do the Top Five Express Board Games Edition on uh, Major Spoilers, where twice a month I'll take a top five topic, kind of like that one you had there, <laughs> and I'll just give the top five of my uh, board games on those topics. Uh, and of course, uh, TMSPM. Uh, usually about once a month or so because my schedule gets a little nut. Now that hockey's over, it might be a little easier. But with Scott and Brian on uh, the Morning Stream PM edition on Friday afternoons, uh, it's the Patreon show. I'll do a little board game segment with those guys. And usually we'll talk about a little bit of pharmacy in there as well because <laughs> uh, Scott will usually have a few questions for me. With uh, Yeah, we're all, starting for to get a, we're all starting to get old, so Scott's got... <laughs> <laughs> oh, knee. he's got some great questions. What do I do about so. my knee now? <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, uh, so I mean, yeah, in the Geek All Stars, we just we just recorded last night um, our most anticipated games of of, of twenty twenty two, and of course, uh, you know, you know, between there's there's a bunch of there's a there's a bunch of um, chip theory games on there as well, and, <laughs> and a bunch of great games on there uh, that we talk about. So I'm really looking forward to uh, what they've got coming out. Uh, I'll have and just some a lot of other games up there, so they they'll all download it and listen to it. Excellent. <laughs> I won't tell but, uh, you when, so that maybe they have to search for it. They'll have to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't 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 give any timestamps. Make them listen. 
because we do talk a lot about some TVs and uh, TV shows and movies and stuff. We we do a heavy dose of uh, Peacemaker uh, talk on, uh, on the show too. I loved loved that first season of Peacemaker. Oh, so good. So good. And and it's and I don't know if you're like me. Um, not to get into a tangent here, but I don't know if you're like me, but but it's a it's definitely a non-skippable intro. You can't skip oh, the yeah. intro. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear the whole story about that? What about the intro? Yeah. All I know is that Alan Tudyk helped. Uh, yeah, it was his it, wife. His yep. wife was the choreographer, and yep. she was at home because of the COVID protocols and stuff. And they told her to make a a dance intro that would be easily taught that anybody could do. So she made one that Alan Tudyk could do and taught taught it to him. And he actually went into the the set when they first started shooting and showed him, you know, helped him figure it all out. Oh, that's great. I knew he was involved in that. It was his wife. I didn't realize that that's why it, it, it was so like rudimentary and, and it's just so good. It's so, <laughs> the show is also so good, but that oh, yeah. intro is great. This is why we sit around waiting for uh, more Ted Lasso because we just yeah. need, need more Ted Lasso in our life. See, that's, I haven't got Apple TV yet. Everybody's told me, oh. t- told me how good Ted Lasso is. And I'm just, I'm waiting for that time when I have enough, time where i can like all right i'm gonna get apple tv for a couple months and just blow mm-hmm. through like it's it's stuff. well well worth it because you'll <laughs> not only will it not even a couple of months you will love it so much that it won't <laughs> even last a week two seasons won't even last a week for you that's how much you guys will love it so we'll you'll just have to have you'll to, just have to see if you can say. get a uh a chip theory bonus to, to get in there to <laughs> see if they'll get you that get you guys well there. that's what that's what right now heather and i started playing a little bit of elder scrolls online because they had the new you know they put the thing out and then they talked about the chip theory thing mm-hmm. that they're doing with it and while we're watching the whole presentation waiting for the chip theory part i'm like you know this i haven't played elder scrolls online this game looks kind of cool so i ended up buying it and she bought it, and she's trying to talk them into letting her play it at work for research. You know, she's going to have to answer these questions and things. Yeah, and some lore questions and yeah, such. They're, they're not falling for it yet, but <laughs> we'll see what we can do. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I hadn't really gotten into that. I, I mean, I always loved the Elder Scrolls game, and I know I would probably like Elder Scrolls Online. I just, um, yeah, just have not gotten into that. Uh, of course, I, I dipped my toe into Lost Ark, but I hadn't gotten into uh, Elder Scrolls Online uh, <laughs> There's just yeah. so much. It's so much there again. You get in there and it's kind of mm-hmm. like overwhelming where it's like. So many things you want to do. You're like, I want to do this. I want to do this. Yeah. I want to do this. I, and I get Altitis in these games where <laughs> well, well, all I want to do is, oh, let me try this character. Let yeah, me try let me make another one. <laughs> all right. So, well, thanks for coming on tonight. It was awesome having you on. And like I said, thanks again for helping me get into this, this space that, that we're all in. Um, pretty much. Anytime you do a great met, job. Pretty much everybody Meeple was excellent. Is, is is awesome. You're you know you've you've been super nice. Everybody else you know everybody else has been nice. So um, yeah, yeah. Thanks again for coming out, and uh, don't forget to tune in next week. We're gonna have Shannon Wedge from Chip Theory Games. So um, she's gonna come on and talk about her journey and what she does there. And and uh, everybody, thanks for coming out, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks a lot again, Dan. Bye bye. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot.